1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good Sunday morning and welcome to MoneyWise. We're happy to have you with us every Sunday morning. Today we're going to be talking with two very famous attorneys that we haven't had on the radio for a while, Attorney Michael Coleman and Attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning. It's the end of February. I love it. Well, is that a good description, two famous attorneys? Infamous, maybe. Infamous. So we're going to talk about today of things about protecting yourself. And if you haven't protected yourself and protected your family, why haven't you protected yourself and protected your family? There's a lot of new things uh, t- uh, today as we go to the air. We're on, on Sunday, February 28th, 2021. We're still in an odd time. So let's talk a little bit about the pandemic as we begin today, Tenny. You and I have had the good fortune to have had our first COVID vaccine shot, haven't we? Yes. And Mike, your mom? Yes, she did. Yep. And very soon we will be getting our second COVID vaccine shot. So we are believers. Our son, Peter, who's also on the volunteer uh, fire department in Dartmouth, he's a first responder. He's already received both first and second shots. So, I just talked to our paralegal, Jerry, a while ago, and she's got hers. She was called, actually, by the Dartmouth Council on Aging. Good. Good for her. That's good. Well, I think it's an important thing to do. Hopefully, we will be coming out of the pandemic before too long. I want to remind everyone what we have done in the offices here at 352 Fonts Corner Road to make this the safest possible environment we can for people who come to visit us. We do require masks and face coverings for anyone who enters the building. We do a temperature check when people enter the building. Uh, Probably in the future, we're going to be asking people if they have been uh, inoculated, if they have received the vaccine. Every single room, every single desk has hand sanitizer on it. All the conference rooms do. We have large plastic shields on our conference room tables for people to sit behind. And whenever anybody leaves from a conference room, we immediately go in and we sanitize the tables for the next person who might be coming. And the office is only open by appointment. So in addition to these things, when we did reopen our office in 2020, we ripped out a bunch of the old carpeting, which we thought was time to replace, and we installed new laminate tile flooring, which is easier to clean and more sanitary. We got rid of some older fabric furniture, and we replaced it with furniture that was easier to clean. We actually took out some of our fixed windows and put in windows that open so we can get more fresh air in here. And we had a company come in and clean our air ducts. We had Serpro come in and do that. They're a great company, by the way. I'd give them a little recommendation for anybody who's looking for sanitizing where they live or where they work. We actually had Serpro come into our house and clean our air ducts, too, didn't we, Tenny? Yes. They also certainly clean up after disasters, like the time when our water, um, little teeny tiny leak in our water line Made a big mess in our basement. Mm. Did about $10,000 worth of damage. Yep. That's what insurance is for. <laughs> so I will give you a reminder in a little bit about um, the fact that we have Lance Family Insurance Agency operating in our walls as well. They do a great job. And I'm going to give you some information about what a wonderful job Cheryl and Deb do in helping people save money. So if you've done similar planning things at your own house or your own place of business, um, you've done it for a particular reason. You've done it because you want to protect your family, you want to protect your clients, your business customers. You want to make a safe environment as safe as possible. I wonder how many people have thought about what they're doing to protect their family and their children. I think if you ask people who have children, I think most people would say, There's nothing more important than protecting children. Wouldn't you agree, Ten? Absolutely. And you want your children to be physically safe. You want to make sure that if you have new new kids in your household, you keep sharp things away from them, chemicals away from them. You don't put pills in a place where they can get access to pills because 
Kids put things in their mouths. Weapons, guns, knives, you keep those things locked up, hopefully. And you can put in covers on switch plates to make sure the kids don't stick their fingers in an electric socket, which they will always try to do, won't they? (laughs) And locks on cabinet doors so they can't get in and drink the bleach or whatever (laughs) might be underneath the sink. So we do everything and anything possible. If you have kids who are a little bit older, for example, and they're maybe in daycare or they're going to school, you want to make sure they're in a, a safe environment when they go to school. You want to make sure that um, if they're back in school again, that the, the school is uh, perhaps making the kids and the teachers wear masks. Uh, you want to make sure that your school has got proper air supply going, don't you, Tenny? Yes, that's certainly been an issue for schools to try to re, um, reinstall systems to make the, the school building itself safer. But we all start at a very young age, or with kids at a very young age, telling them what their address is, what their phone number is. So if they get into an emergency situation, they know their telephone number, they know where they live, so they can tell a police officer, for example, where they live. We do a lot of things to reach out and help protect kids. I wonder what other things people can do to protect children. Any suggestions? I'm not sure what you mean. Seatbelts in cars and safety seats. How about life insurance? Ah. You know, life insurance is not for you. It's on your life. But it really is to protect somebody else, isn't it? Absolutely. Yep. And uh, most people believe that if anything happened to them or they understand that their children would be in probably dire straits and so that's the purpose of life insurance so if we think about it we'll talk about that a little bit more pj rourke once said everybody knows how to raise children except the people who have them (laughs) there is no guidebook well i shouldn't say guidebook there are no rules (laughs) there are no rules but actually there are a lot of rules what do you think mike lots of rules yeah (laughs) um I don't know. I guess with respect to life insurance, it's a good thing to have. Um, obviously, you can't name kids as beneficiaries on a life insurance policy if they're too young. That's a good thought. Um, you can name a trust as a beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Most people don't want to spend money doing that, but it is an option. So what's the typical age that you recommend that children should receive assets directly, for example, by inheritance or insurance? It really depends on the child. Um, it could be could be 18. Normally that's not advisable. It could be 25. It could be a staggered distribution at 25, 30, 35. It depends yep. on the on the child. That's we have good. That's a good point. Yeah. We have uh, some people who don't want kids to inherit anything. And then we have others who think that the kids would be able to inherit at a younger age. Yep. So it just depends on the child. And we tell the story about this woman who did not believe her son to be particularly trustworthy and she was well advanced in age and her son was i guess in his 60s and he would still need to uh come and and essentially beg her for (laughs) distributions from the father's trust (laughs) Mm -hmm. well that's because he had a wife who if i remember um believed in picking up every dead carcass that was on the road and giving it a proper funeral service and burial. Right. So the mother was afraid that all the money would go to animal causes and nothing would be left to take care of her son. Every family has a different story, don't they, Mike? Yeah. Unfortunately, most of the time you don't find out what the story is until (laughs) the parents have died (laughs) and it's too late. But... Well, we, t- we teach kids all the time, and um, we, we tell them to look both ways when you cross the street. We tell them to make sure you have shoes on when you go outdoors, and you know don't go running through puddles unless it's intentional. And, but you also want to make sure you can protect your kids from um, sexual abuse or online sexual predators. You want to make sure that if you have a child in school who's being bullied, you want to know about it, and then you would take some action to protect them, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. That's very important today. And you certainly want to make sure that you can monitor their activities when they're at a young age. 
It's not just kids, though, that people are anxious to protect. It's the family unit. could be the wife with small children or the husband with small children, which is certainly a, a cause celeb for life insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, life insurance, as I said earlier, is really about taking care of somebody else, taking care of your spouse if you're married, taking care of your, your best friend, if that's important to you, or if you live with somebody, you want to take care of them and provide for their income. So if you're living together, for example, as a couple, um, no matter what the gender is or anything else, and you're living in a household together, you've got two incomes typically supporting that household. What do you do if something happens to one of those people? Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons to think about life insurance. And if you've got a mother and a father, for example, and some young children, and something happens to one of the parents, and they're both earning an income, now you're down to one income. How do you continue to pay the mortgage and provide for the house for the kids and give them a safe place to live? And uh, this is an important one. I've mentioned this before. Let's say you have a child who's going to college for the first time, and they're several years into college now, and they have incurred some student loans, and then something unforbidden, you know, unknown, God forbidden, happens to the child, who's gonna pay the student loans off? Well, if you have insurance on the child, it is so inexpensive, it should be just as important as paying their tuition when they go to school. Take out a small life insurance policy, maybe $100,000, would probably cost $10 a month to do something like that. Or if you're married or you're living together and you have a house with a mortgage on it, and again, you've got a two-income family, something happens to one of those people, now you're a one-income household, how do you pay the mortgage? So carry some insurance that would pay off the mortgage. We can help you here at USA Wealth Group. Uh, Just give us a call at 508-998-8858 and... Myself, Peter, or other folks in the office would be happy to meet with you and talk to you about it. And, um, but let's come back to something even more basic. What about legal documents? If you've gone to the trouble to raise children or even not raise children, but you're taking care of somebody else, you're sharing income with somebody else, uh, it's more than just insurance. You have to have certain legal documents in place, uh, don't you, Mike? Yeah, there are certain documents that we tell people that they should have. Um, everyone should have probably a will, um, powers of attorney, so a, a general durable power of attorney, health care documents to name people to handle things in the event something happens to you so that your kids can be taken care of. And you don't always recommend a trust, but I know and sometimes uh, you recommend a trust. I know you've got a handout sheet that I've seen before it shows the primary differences between wills and trusts. Yep. There are certainly differences between wills and trusts, and trusts aren't always appropriate, but a lot of times they are. Um, so trusts are private situations. There's no um, public notice to anyone about what's going on with a trust, whereas a will has to go through probate. Um, trusts pr- uh, protect beneficiaries. You can hold assets in trust for the benefit of kids. Um, so there are a lot of benefits to trusts. So if you have a will, um, I guess one of the drawbacks of a will is that it doesn't have any independent legal value when you die unless it goes through probate court, correct? That's right. So how's that going for you these days? <laughs> probate court is a nightmare. Um, pretty much every time we go, especially now, because there are fewer people at the court to actually answer phones and handle things. So what used to take a month now takes two or three months. Um, So avoiding probate is very important. We've sort of broken uh, down our responsibilities in the office because Mike has become more familiar with the probate process. So he tends to handle all of that. And um, I tend to handle other things. But I always go to Michael for probate issues because I know he's more familiar. Yesterday he was just shaking his head and saying, oh, my word, I've called the court. I've been on the phone for, what, two and a half half hours, Mm -hmm. something like that, trying to get through? Yeah, and 
So right now what's happening with one of the registries is that there's literally no one at the court to answer the phones. So they're doing everything by Zoom conference, or even if there are people there, they're just not answering. So there's an answering service, and you, you can't get through to anyone. So you have to call a Zoom number. Um, you can either have a video conference, or you can just do it without video. I was on hold for more than an hour. I didn't want to hold anymore, so I just hung up. I then had to email someone to try and get information. Uh, so it's it's not good right now, and normally... Probate is sort of like a last resort. You don't ever want to do probate. And so the people that find themselves in the probate situation are generally not happy to begin with. <laughs> and then when probate takes four or five months to get anything done, they get even more agitated. So. It, it's really interesting that people who come into our office often believe that the ultimate thing to have is a will. And that the will is something that gets read in a lawyer's office and everybody walks out with whatever they were given under the will. And that just absolutely doesn't happen. Um, Do you want to describe some more about what happens, Mike, (laughs) with a will? Well, you have to, to, like you said, ideally you never submit the will to the probate court because if you do, you're just at the mercy of the court and you really have very little control over what happens. Um, But if you do have to do that, you have to file the will with the court, you have to notify all the heirs, you have to publish in a newspaper, and this all costs money. So you have to get money from people that a lot of times don't have any money because everything is tied up in the estate. So they don't have money to pay you. And they can't access the bank accounts. Right. They can't access the bank accounts. They can't sell the property. Um... So they don't, they have very little money, but you need money to get things done. So it's a horrible situation. It's, it is a nightmare. I have a situation where we need to do a probate and perhaps two in order to get a property sold. And the probate was filed, I believe, in May of 2020. Um, by September, we were notified that there was going to be a hearing, and the hearing would be January 4th. Wow. Well, January 4th came. I called the court. There was no answer, of course, so I just <laughs> hung on for something like three hours, only to finally give up, hang up, and uh, reach somebody else ultimately who said, oh, no, that's been rescheduled to June of 2021. So more than a year later, just to get a hearing before a property might be able to be sold. So that means you can't sell real estate in the meantime? Mm -hmm. You can't make distributions to the beneficiaries or the heirs? Um, So it really is a problem, isn't it? It really is. I mean, before last year, wills were sort of a pain in the neck generally. They They were just an added step that had to be taken with the court in order to get access to the estate. But now having a will is just often a disaster. And yet... A will is also used if you want to name a guardian. So how does that work? Because you don't name a guardian in a trust, typically. You can nominate a guardian in a will. Then the court, when they approve the will, says, all right, yeah, we're going to name somebody. We're going to appoint somebody as the guardian for young, young children. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I suspect that what the court is doing is allocating its resources to things that are critical, like guardians or... Uh, conservators for older people who no longer have mental capacity to carry on their business. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that could be delayed then potentially too. If you have to name a guardian for an older person, I guess you're probably going to have similar difficulties getting into probate court. Well, probate is not the ideal, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the alternative I know you use for many people is a trust. As Mike said, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But there are occasions when a trust is more appropriate. Somebody has what, real estate, for example? Mm-hmm. Real estate or anything that doesn't automatically pass without some kind of intervention to somebody else. And that's, as we said, what a will does. So a trust does not die just because a person does, and there's a successor trustee who is named who can carry out the Uh, the will of the people who set up the trust to begin with. 
So I, I have often said I just don't understand why everybody doesn't just do a trust. It's so much easier. And so let's talk about what happens then if somebody dies and they've got their house in a trust. You don't have to go to probate court, first of all. Right. You have named a successor trustee to take over the management of the trust. And I would assume, what can that successor trustee do? Can they sell the house? Mm-hmm. Can they go out and get it appraised, hire a real estate broker? Yeah. All of the above. Mm-hmm. And they could do that fairly immediately then, right? Absolutely. Oftentimes, people will come into our office shortly after a death. We will sit down with them, and they will sign acceptances as successor trustees and then have access virtually immediately to bank accounts, to selling real estate, whatever. So if it's a good time to sell property, which it is right now, you wouldn't have maybe a year delay to get somebody appointed in a probate court. You could take advantage of the hot market that's out there right now, have a successor trustee accept appointment as trustee, and go out and put the house on the market and sell it. Right. So, well, that certainly sounds a lot better. And what I try to tell people is that there are sort of two sets of documents that you need. You need documents for after your death, and that would be a trust and maybe a pour-over will. We could talk about that later. Well, what, but let's then, talk about that right now. What does a pour of a will do? So when you do a trust, you also do a will. Is that correct? Yes. Um, the will is, is like a safety net so that if some asset did not get placed into the trust and actually needs to go through probate, at least there is direction to the court about who is going to be appointed as what's called the personal representative And then the will says, I leave everything to my trust because it's in that document that you set up all your beneficiary wishes. So it's a backup document, too, that says if you forgot to put something into the name of the trust so that it wouldn't have to go through probate, then at least that pour-over will says I leave everything to my trust, Mm -hmm. and it picks it up and puts it into the trust. Right. But if you have a trust... It sounds like what you really want to do is you want to make sure that you change the names on your primary assets, your house, your real estate, your bank accounts, your investment accounts, into the name of the trust. Then they won't go through probate. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do um, checkups with people every three to five years. More like five, I guess, is, is more sensible. But laws change and families change. And oftentimes we find when we do these checkup meetings that people didn't really get everything into the trust before. And Mm -hmm. that's why we go over their client intake form and say, well, you've got a bank account at Bay Coast. Is that held by the trust? They say, oh, gee, I don't know. Mm. All right. So (laughs) if somebody wants more information or they want to talk to you on the telephone and get some more information or they want an appointment maybe for a Zoom conference or a personal conference. What should they do, Mike? Yeah. Just call and make an appointment? You can call us at 508-998-8800. We are meeting people in the office, which I prefer to do even now. Um, we have social distancing and you know plexiglass barriers, and we're careful about it, but I'd rather do that than Zoom. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to get things done and communicate that way. So. Right. And there's a safe environment here at 352 Fonts Corner Road. So I have a better suggestion than wills and trusts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Phyllis Diller. She said, I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford. Then I want to move in with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't think I want to move in with either of my children. No, that's for sure. Uh, hell no, I would venture to say. <laughs> We love them dearly, but I don't want to live with them. <laughs> it's like, all right, it's time to get out of the nest. Fly. Go ahead, shoo. We're going to push you over the edge of the nest. Go ahead and see if you can fly. Yeah. No, don't come back. <laughs> but I do want to, to raise something else when we're talking about basic legal documents. So the trust and the will are really good, the trust in particular, at passing things forward to your beneficiaries after you're gone. But what happens while you are alive? What happens if you should be in an accident and can't take care of your 
business affairs or what happens if, heaven forbid, you get dementia and you really don't know whether today is today or tomorrow is tomorrow and somebody else has to take care of things for you. If you don't have documents in place, it means probate court. Maybe Mike can talk about that a little bit more. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's, awful. it's living probate, so a con- con- conservatorship, a conservatorship, or a guardianship. And again, it's a process where you need to petition the court. And once you do that, you have very little control over what happens next. You're at the mercy of the court, and anyone else can come in and say that they want to be the guardian or conservator, and then you're in a situation where you have to fight about it, basically. So there are certain things that you can do to prevent that powers of attorney for health care and um, financial matters can be done to name agents to make those decisions. So from what you're describing, Mike, it sounds like family members don't always agree about things. No. <laughs> and like I said before, we don't normally find that out until it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I've always said that there is no such thing as a normal family. <laughs> That's for sure. Everybody, everybody has issues. Everybody has problems. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. But everybody seems to think that all they need to do ever in life, essentially, is to have a will. Mm-hmm. You need to have a will. Well, we don't agree with that. We believe that not only should you also have a trust, but you need documents for your lifetime, whether it's for property or whether it's for your health care. So I, I can't emphasize that enough that documents for your life are important. I want to mention too that um, Mike and Tenny, I know you have a lot of handout, pass out brochures and information that if somebody's interested in information only at this point, they don't really want to talk, they could also give a call to the your office at 508-998-8800. Speak to Shannon and say, I'd like to get a brochure on creating a lasting legacy. You know, how do you protect your family? The best things in life aren't things, they're family. And how about, are your bank accounts safe? Information about FDIC insurance. Or what about uh, gay and lesbian couples? I know there's a special brochure you have on that. Estate planning and all the legal documents that we've been talking about, you've been discussing, Mm -hmm. are just as important for same-sex couples as for heterosexual couples. Sometimes more important. Yeah. Um, We also tend to uh, talk to people about special needs in their family. Even if you don't know that there is a special need at at the moment, you might have one in your family in the future, and our documents provide some safety nets for that. What if you have a grandchild who has uh, issues? Yep, whether it's a physical um, deformity of some type or maybe autism. So Um, you you still want to love them and and provide for them, but you want to make sure that there's a trust arrangement perhaps to take care of them. Right. Special needs trusts are things that we are happy to talk to people about. But again, I want to mention talking and reading and all of that is great, but I want to put in a call for do something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help you if you have all the knowledge in the world about all of these documents. You need to get them in place. And you need to do it when you're young, when you're first married, if you're married or living with somebody. You need to do it when you have a child going away to college and make sure they're protected. What if they don't, what if they have a physical problem, if they have an accident or something while they're away at school? Do they have a health care proxy? You know, you're going away present for your child going away for college, for example. They ought to do a durable power of attorney and a health care proxy. Um, make we, sure that somebody can make decisions for them if they can't. We have a grandson who will turn seven, uh, 18 uh, at his next birthday. Yep, just a couple of months. And we'll be going away to school, and we're going to be doing the regular basic documents for him. He'll have a health care power of attorney, a HIPAA form, a durable power of attorney for property. He does own a car, so it's not beyond the realm of possibility that those documents might be needed. No, as soon as he turns 18, he'll be signing a health care proxy, a durable power of attorney, possibly even a will. wouldn't mm. be a bad lesson to teach him at the age of 18. Mm. Right. Um, 
And um, by the way, when he was about seven years old, I took out a life insurance policy on his life. And um, his parents are the beneficiaries, or actually we set up a small trust as a beneficiary of that. If something should happen to him, God forbid it would be horrible, but there will be a life insurance policy. I still pay the premiums on it. It's very inexpensive. I was going to say, and the premiums are small. They're cheap. Well, George Burns once said, you can't help getting older, but you don't have to get old. Not quite sure how that works, but um, it has to do with your mental attitude. But I think the most important thing anyone listening today can do is to ask yourself the question, is my family protected? Are my children protected? Is my significant other that I live with protected? Are my grandchildren protected? And And what would it take to make me take some action and get the proper documents Mm -hmm. in place? And it's not only just about you. If you have, you know, younger people that you are interested in taking care of, um, if they don't want to do it, why don't you give them a little kick in the pants and you know make them come in and do it? If you have more funds than the grandchildren do and the children do, why don't you do something really nice for your children or grandchildren? Why don't you pay for their documents? What a wonderful gift you could give somebody. So um, I know you've got some other things that you can provide to people as well, like information about Medicaid benefits and Uh, long-term care protection. How do you protect assets if somebody goes to a nursing home? Well, people don't always understand, but um, estate planning is very different from um, medical life planning, um, elder law planning, planning for the potential that a nursing home might loom in your future. They are very different approaches, and we have knowledge about both of those. So if you have somebody who might be facing a nursing home and nobody wants to think about it, but it's better to plan ahead, please give us a call. We need five years in order to help people protect something into the future. You know, that's really interesting because two days ago I met with a woman and her son. Uh, She's in her mid-70s right now. Her son is almost 50. Uh, He's a father sort of late in life. He got married late in life, and actually he's he's around 47, 48. He has two young twin daughters that are three years old, got married, you know, uh, about four years ago. And he said it's the greatest thing of, that's ever happened in his life. Yeah. Um, and he showed me pictures, and I showed him pictures of grandchildren and so forth. But what if you have a, a parent to take care of? Have you ever taken care of a parent, Tenny? We both have. It's um, it's a really tough, terrible situation facing the need to place a parent into a facility of some type. Uh, my brother is going through that now with his wife. Um, Medicaid planning is really something important to do. I can't tell you how many times I meet with people and their father is about to go into a nursing home, what can they do to protect his assets? Very little at that point in time. You need time. You need to think about it. It's what everybody should be thinking about as they get into their 70s and 80s. And here's something you should do if you're in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s and you have an older parent. Make sure they've done documents because you may be taking care of them someday, and if they haven't done documents themselves, uh, it's going to be much, much more expensive and much, much more difficult. And take the opportunity, make the opportunity to talk with them. So many people don't want to talk about the future. They think if they talk about it, maybe something bad will happen. But you need to plan ahead. Well, there's a person named Tia Walker who once wrote, to care for those who once cared for us is one of the highest honors. And Mike, you've had experience too, taking care, you know, helping to take care for your mother and your, and your dad. And, Unfortunately. <laughs> and it's a burden, but it's an obligation, and mm-hmm. it's something that's important for us to do. And as this author once said, you know, they helped take care of us, and now it's our turn to take care of them. Yes, but it certainly is difficult, and older people can be difficult. Uh, they 
I had a, a client recently whose father not only locked everything that was in his room, but locked his room itself. And she could not get access to his documents. She had no idea what he had done to plan, if anything. <laughs> it's, it's a tough situation. Make sure somebody knows your passcodes to get into your computer, because if you're paying your bills online and something happens to you unexpectedly, then, gosh, how's somebody going to find your codes? We've had people bring their computers into the office to talk to our tech person here to help him have him help break into their computer to figure out what else is in there that they need to know about. It's, it's a but, real problem. But we can't generally do that, and it's hard to do. Well, you and I can't. Mike maybe can't, but it's, it is very difficult. You know, uh, you've heard of the singer Lena Horne, I assume, famous uh, uh, blues singer. She said, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. So think about that when you think of, that's gosh, a, this is a problem. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought on things. I, I talk to my brother a lot. He has done everything in his power to take care of his wife who is incontinent and has dementia badly and so forth. And she is now in a facility and all he does is blame himself for putting her there. And I try to tell him he, he has done his best. He has gone beyond to try to help her. You can't blame yourself. You, you've got to lighten your load about that. So when you talk to him next, I'll give you this quotation you can give him. It's by a lady named Linda D. Have patience. Remember how you will want someone to treat you when you reach the time when you need a caregiver. Because it can happen to anybody. Yep, so true. Of course, as our daughter has said, Mom, I'll take care of you, and you can stay at home, and I'll feed you and do all those things. But Dad, he's going in the home. <laughs> she actually said, I'll chain you to the couch and hose you down once a week. <laughs> she, was, she was being a little facetious. Emery Austin once said, Some days there won't be a song in your heart. Sing anyway. Nice little quotation. Well, you know, there are so many things to think about. Uh, we talked about naming guardians and um, teaching your children. Just remember that when you do documents, it's no different than doing insurance or, you know, saving money or investing money or paying down your mortgage. You're doing these things not just for yourself. You're doing it for somebody else. You're doing it to create an inheritance. I don't know a person that hasn't said, I want my children to be better off than I have been. I want them to have more than I've had. And that's a common goal, isn't it, Tenny? Yes, if if you're setting up a college fund at the same time, set up your documents so that you can be sure that their future is protected. Yep, and um you know, it's 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 real important doing legal documents is just as critically important as everything else you do in terms of having family members, raising family members, teaching them things. You're doing all those things to protect somebody else. And not only do you want to protect yourself, but you want to make sure that other people are protected too. You mentioned special needs as an example. If you have a special needs child, um, that's critically important to have a trust, isn't it? Absolutely, because if that child should inherit money directly or some kind of valuable asset from you, then that child could have public benefits interrupted, and it's generally those benefits that are keeping that uh, child in a later life um, uh, able to function in the community, whether it's SSI income or whether it's some sort of Medicaid health assistance. So you want to be sure and set up a special needs trust so that that child can get the extra things that might not be available to him or her through the public benefits. Without the, impacting their their government benefits. Without right, exactly, but, but the special needs trust can pay for that. And I assume you've done that as well, Mike. You've done, done special needs trust for people. Yeah, we have done them, absolutely. One thing I'll also mention is that even if you have documents, if you've done a will in the past, it's important to review them. We have a situation now where a woman did a will, 
and she named someone as her executor, and then she named his wife as a backup. And since then, they got divorced. Oh, wow. So <laughs> the backup is now his ex-wife, and he's out in California. So we're doing a probate to name him as the executor, and it's not ideal because he's in California. We could have potentially had him decline to serve, but then his ex-wife is the backup, so we couldn't do that. <laughs> Things change. So if she had just reviewed it, maybe done a new will, it would have been much easier. But yep, it, no. It's really true that people do these documents and they think, ah, oh, I'm set for life. Mm-hmm. I did this in 1995, and I don't need to think about it again. Unfortunately, that's just not true. Right. We've, we see all the time people who have done wills in the 90s. Now it's 2021. Oops, that person died or this person I really don't like much anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New people have to be named. Right. And it's every single day of the week you meet people, you find out things are different, things have changed. Uh, famous writer W.H. Auden once said, We are all here on earth to help others. What on earth the others are here for, I don't know. <laughs> We've all had those kinds of moments. We've all had those kinds of moments, haven't we? And sometimes you get really mad or you have divisions in the family and you say, you know what, I haven't heard from my son for 15 years. And we've all seen that kind of a situation, haven't we? Oh, heaven forbid. And there are family breakups that take place. There's a Yiddish proverb that says, God gave burdens but he also gave shoulders. So you got to think about those things. you got to think about helping others and taking care of others all the time. Yes. So um, how long does a trust admin process, trust administration process typically take? Can you? I, I've seen situations when everything was distributed in 30 days. Sometimes it might take a little longer if you have to do, what, a tax return or a state mm-hmm. tax return or something. It depends on what the assets involved are, really. If it's just bank accounts, uh, it can be fairly quick. If there's real estate involved, it can be a little bit longer. But it's, like we said, it's much more convenient and simpler than having to go through probate. Mm -hmm. Because with a trust, you can get things started right away. With probate, you're at the mercy of the court. You can't even get things started until you have someone appointed. I can remember a long time ago, I met with a group in... There were a couple of people who had flown in from, a couple of children who had flown in from California. Their last surviving parent had passed away, and there were a couple local, locally, and they wanted to sell the family home, the real estate, and they said, how long is this going to take? How long do we want to wait? wait? And I said, when you leave here today, you can go out and you can hire a real estate broker, and you can put the property on the market tomorrow, and you can sell it immediately. You get a buyer, you can sign the contract, the successor trustee can, and if the closing is going to take place in 30 days, you can close it in 30 days. So you can do it that quickly. Yep. Great, great, um, great, great benefits to having a trust as an example. Um, Many people forget to come in when somebody has died. Uh, I do want to mention something that uh, Mike just referred to about the size of the assets and whether there's an estate tax return that's due. Mm-hmm. If you have an estate that is $2 million or more, and I know this doesn't impact a lot of people, but more and more it does, um, it's really important that you come and see us after the first spouse dies so that we can do uh, what we need to do to preserve an exemption to the Massachusetts estate tax. So that's an important question. What is the Massachusetts exemption from the estate tax? How much is it? Well, it's $1 million per person, and it's complicated, but you can shelter that if there's a couple, potentially shelter a million dollars on the death of the first spouse if you do the right things. And for a couple, then, you can shelter a total of $2 million if you do a trust. Mm Mm-hmm. But you can't shelter $2 million if you simply have wills. Right. Right. Because when the first spouse dies and everything goes to the surviving spouse, um, you're not going to have the benefit of sheltering that $1 million exemption. And the second person dies, anything over the $1 million, they're going to pay estate taxes. Mm-hmm. So there's tax benefits to doing uh, the trust as well. Yeah, I, I want to emphasize again what Mike just said about it depends. Um 
A lot of people take advice from friends and neighbors and All family and sure. so forth and say, oh, I think I understand. I don't have to do this. Or maybe this is the way some so-and-so did it, so mm. that'll work for me. It's very important that you come and at least talk to us about uh, what the situation is if somebody does die. Yeah, I've been struggling here looking for my Rodney Dangerfield quotes. Oh, I'll find more them. Rodney quotes. Oh, no, I love Rodney Dangerfield. He's, favorite. he's terrific. <laughs> I'll find them. Don't worry. Give me a moment here, and I'll find them. Um, so um, here's, here's a nice quotation from um, Pope John the Twenty Third. Men are like wine. Some turn to vinegar, but the best improve with age. <laughs> that was a Pope quote. That was Pope John the Twenty Third. He was, he was a good man. <laughs> I like that quotation. So um, let's just talk a little bit about. Um, you mentioned how often people should come in at least every three years. If every, three to five. If folks are listening today and thinking about this, and they haven't done anything, I guess the question I would always ask is, why haven't you done something? You know, you're not going to live forever. Nobody's going to live forever. And wouldn't you want to protect your family? Wouldn't you want to be as prepared as you can? And it's, it's really critical to emphasize that because not only do family situations change, but laws change. You know, people may have done all of their documents in 1998 and think that they're set for life. Well, unfortunately, Massachusetts passed a couple of laws in 2009 that made a considerable difference to the durable power of attorney and health care power of attorney documents. That, that they, didn't, they, they didn't do it uh, directly, but they may have made some of those documents out of date. So no matter what, if you have not reviewed your documents in about five years or so, we recommend that you come in. It's no charge. Just come in and talk to us about what may have changed. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is from uh, Lee Iacocca. He ran Chrysler Corporation. And he said, no matter what you've done for yourself or for humanity, if you can't look back on having give love and attention to your own family— what have you really accomplished? So we've done a lot of things during the time of pandemic. People have reassessed certain things. They've helped fix up their house. Maybe they built a new deck. Maybe they made self-improvements in their home improvements in their home. Maybe they decided to do some things to get out of debt and create a new budget, lose weight, exercise. All those things are wonderful. What have you done to protect your family? Well, Create a budget, have a plan, have an estate plan. It's not for you, it's for your family. But it's also to make sure that your wishes are going to get followed, isn't it? Get those documents reviewed on some sort of regular basis. Yep. Insure yourself and protect your family. Protect your digital assets. Maybe even do something for charity. What if you've always thought, you know, I'd like to leave something for my charity, my church, the Salvation Army, whatever it happens to be. What have you done to accomplish that? You can do that in your estate plan too, can't you? Mm -hmm. Yes, and if you don't, it's not likely to happen. If you don't um, provide for a charity, there is a state law that uh, sets forth who is going to get your assets after you die if you don't do a will. And it isn't a charity. <laughs> it's members of your family. Yep, now it's rules of intestacy. Mm -hmm. So you want your wishes to be followed you want to leave a legacy if you can. There's so many things that we can show you to do where you can save money, not pay as much money in taxes. And, and I, I just I keep going back to this, but I spoke with a lady yesterday. Her estate is somewhere between two and three million dollars. Wow. They did they did their documents back in 1996, I think. We have put in writing to them. We have talked to them about the need to have those documents reviewed and updated. In fact, her trust was prepared prior to Massachusetts enacting the estate tax. So her documents are not going to protect from the estate tax. But she does not want to update them. She doesn't want to spend the money. That 
that may be why they're worth between two and three million, <laughs> but it's going to be a mess if anything happens to those folks. So Rodney Dangerfield once said, "Aha, you found it." When I was born, I was so ugly the doctor slapped my mother. <laughs> <laughs> then he also said, "I looked up my family tree and found out I was the sap." <laughs> well. I will give you only one more, I promise, before we leave for today. Um, But I will give you one from Michael J. Fox also. He said, family is not an important thing. It's everything. Right. And that's true, isn't it? Yes, for sure. So, Jenny, do you feel pleased that you've created estate planning documents for yourself? Um, Yes. I don't know if pleased is the the word. I, I, I feel settled that... I have done it, and that the only thing I have not done, as you probably know, is to set forth who's going to get personal property because we own something that's a very valuable whalebone piece, and both of our kids want it, (laughs) so I haven't decided where it's going. Some days it's going to one. We're going to take the biblical approach. We're going to get a sar and cut it in half. (laughs) <laughs> or give it to the Whaling Museum. Or give it to the Whaling Museum. That's even better. <laughs> so my last quotation for the day is from Rodney Dangerfield. He said, when I played in the sandbox, the cat kept covering me up. <laughs> <laughs> How can somebody be as witty as that? I don't, I don't know. Probably I don't had to, I'm sure he had to work at it. You've got to work at those things. <laughs> so if we were meeting together one year from today, ladies and gentlemen, what has to have happened in your life that you feel you've made the right decisions to help protect your family, your children, your beneficiaries, your charity, save taxes? What has to have happened? Well, I'll tell you what has to have happened. You need to make sure that you have a proper estate plan in place. So take some action, do something, give attorney Tenny Lance or attorney Mike Coleman a call at 508 998 8800. They're here to help you. You know, I know everybody in this office has a lot of gratitude uh, for the fact that they've been able to help so many people. So they'd like to help you too. Give them a call. Most importantly, stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you for being here, Mike. Thank you for being here, Tenny. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll be with you again next week. 